Victory is on a lot of minds these days. Countless candidates and campaign staffers and party officials have been working for years towards Tuesday, when some people will be victorious, but the majority will fall from the media's attention in a few days' time. Victory means different things to different people. One minister felt sorry for the old man he saw every morning in the park through which he walked on his way to the office. It seemed that the world had been hard for him. And so one morning he prepared an envelope and he handed it to the man. Inside it was $10 and a note that read, Never Despair. The next day, the man handed him $60. And the minister said, what's this for? And the guy responded, never despair was in the money paying six to one odds in the second race. (laughs) Victory for one was different for victory for the other. Well, we have an image of Christian victory in the book of Revelation. One person's vision of the culmination of time is what we have here. And so can you picture the majestic scene? The only thing I can relate it to is maybe being in a huge stadium. Um, RFK Stadium comes to mind, but that's not, I'm not sure that's even around anymore. <laughs> um, but, you know, a huge football stadium, maybe Virginia Tech. And in the center, at center field, the 50-yard line, is where you have this royal throne. And God, in whatever form God would take, seated on the throne. And then this noble lamb. A lamb, a baby sheep, representing the Christ who has accepted our lives for his and sacrificed his life for us. And so then there are these innumerable people from every nation and every people, every language, every tribe, and they're robed in white. And for those of you who are familiar with Palm Sunday, they're waving palm branches, another symbol of victory. And here's what they're saying. Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. In an age when the Roman Empire is persecuting and killing Christians, this is what victory looks like. This past Friday in India, about 5,000 people attended the funeral of a 47-year-old priest who was beaten in anti-Christian violence by Hindu extremists. It makes me wonder whether the people in the Indian state of Orissa are looking to the book of Revelation to see what victory looks like because they don't feel very victorious when their churches are being burned and their pastors and friends are being killed. Christian victory belongs not to the persecutors, not to the killers, Christian victory belongs to God. John sees angels celebrating this overarching victory as they worship God. 
and they say blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might, all these wonderful things, be to God forever and ever. Amen. That completes it. Amen. So this is John's vision of victory. What's yours? What's your vision of victory? Do you picture the Philadelphia Phillies on the field after winning the World Series this week? As a parent of young children, victory for me will be seeing, hopefully, my children grow into responsible adults. Sometimes, I wonder. But that's my vision. Victory might be getting a good report from the doctor or success at stopping office gossip or having a little extra money at one point to give to somebody who needs it worse than you do. Victories like this are blessings to us and blessings to God. One discouraged salesman said to another, what I need is a blessing that isn't in disguise. Sometimes we, we don't see them. And at least I don't, maybe you don't too, hear people outside church relationships anyways using the word blessing. Don't, you don't hear that much. It's a, I think blessing is a churchy word, and for a long time I didn't use it because I thought it was too churchy. But then I started really feeling blessed. And it it took on a new meaning for me. It was as if my eyes had been glued shut. And then they were opened to see colors and beauty and the joy of friendships and people growing closer to each other and to God. And when I see this, I feel blessed. And they then make me want to bless God in gratitude. A teenager named Basil from a poor family was apprenticed to a shoemaker. This was the early 1400s in Russia. And after, though, he had recognized how God had blessed him and become a Christian, Basil chose to direct his life toward blessing God. He chose some strange ways of doing so, ways that I wouldn't want to choose, going barefoot in summer and winter in Russia, wearing chains, admonishing sinners, even to the point of those in the government. And in some places, that is uh, life-threatening. It's said that Basil even rebuked Ivan the Terrible, for his violent behavior towards innocent people. And yet, when Basil died in the mid-1500s, it's said that Ivan the Terrible was not only at his funeral, but was a pallbearer carrying him to the cemetery. Each of us has a different way of blessing God based on the unique blessings we've received. We all have blessings that are, are just for us and that only we can give. 
Church members have a way to bless God today. I had to get around to money. You know this, members. And those of you who are not members, forgive me. (laughs) But we have the opportunity to bless God by offering our pledges today. Just like in your home, the more money that you have in your coffers, the more you can do for others. And that's how it works in churches as well. We have great potential for ministry for our beacon here on the hill at Calvary and 6th. So we can bless others and we can bless God. Acknowledging the gifts that we receive as we participate in the Lord's Supper can bless us and bless God. Saying hello to someone after the service can bless you and can bless them and can bless God. You don't have to remember their name. You can ask someone else. You can even ask them personally. It's okay. We can, we can make blessings travel. You know, they come to us and then we send them off somewhere else. Psalm 34 begins, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Talking, talking. God's praise. So what would life be like if we all went about blessing God with our actions? You know, you can really think of some fun images when you think about blessing God by blessing other people. Wouldn't it be fun to see the looks of, on the faces of people when we show them undeserved mercy because God has been merciful to us? How fun would it be to see the look of pleasure and relief when we invite into our fold people who are different from us because God invites us with our weaknesses into this huge sheepfold. I think it's fun to imagine the face of a child, specifically an Indian child on the Standing Rock Reservation, when through no, not, maybe not feeling they deserved it, but they all of a sudden have in their hands this wrapped shoebox, and inside they open it up and they see things that they could only dream of. Oh, that's fun. That's blessing. That is blessing. That same Psalm 34 concludes with this statement, The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. It's a beautiful image. It's a beautiful image of this stadium full of people, our friends and even our enemies, who are all gathered together to worship God on the throne and the Lamb. Not only the Lamb, but our shepherd. It's beautiful. Now back to that man named Basil in Russia. He is known now as St. Basil the Blessed. And there's a church on Red Square 
named after him, St. Basil's Cathedral, because he chose to bless God. What would happen if we focused our lives on blessing God in everything we do? It's a beautiful vision.